Welcome to the Real Church Podcast. Our mission is for you to know the love of Jesus and live out your God-given purpose. Now, join us and listen in to the latest message from Pastor David John Phillips. Father, I thank you for this amazing congregation of mighty men and women of, of you. Some of them don't even realize it yet, but they are. And Lord, I pray that today they walk out of here encouraged and with a deeper understanding of your love for them. They walk out of here um, uh, encouraged with practical tools to overcome fear in their lives. We rebuke fear and every distraction. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Father, we give you the rest of the service. We give you all of this. We give you this church. It's yours. It's not mine. It's your kingdom. Thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're going to do. Amen and amen. All right, so we have been looking at the monsters of the mind over the last few weeks, monsters of the mind that attack our faith. First, we looked at the monster of doubt, and we saw that we can move forward despite our doubts because Christ reminds us of who he is and who we are in him. Next, we looked at the monster of depression, and we saw that we don't have to live in a state of depression anymore, but we can live in a state of joy. And we gave some real practical tools on how to walk that out. And today, we're going to be diving into, dissecting, looking at, and how to overcome the monster of fear. Webster's Dictionary says, fear is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. And just to remind you guys, you can pull out your phones, go to www.realchurch.us, click on this Sunday, click on view sermon notes, and follow along with all of our sermon notes. So once again, that's realchurch.us, this Sunday, view sermon notes. Um, put that up there for you guys. Anyway, so fear, Webster's Dictionary says, it's an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. Right? Something that hasn't yet happened yet, but we're anticipating something bad happening. Number two, anxious concern. It's interesting that anxiety is connected with fear in Webster's Dictionary. A lot of times we, I'll get there. Number three, profound reverence and awe, especially towards God. We'll talk about that. I don't know if we'll get to that today because of time, but we might get to that next week. Number four, a reason for alarm. If you go down on Webster's um, uh, dictionary, their, their website page, you scroll down, you get a lot, sometimes some more simple definitions. Um, I went to the English learner's definition. It said, fears, to be afraid of something or someone. It also said, to expect or worry about. To be afraid and worried. And I just find it interesting that anxiety and worry are connected with fear as part of the definition of fear. A lot of times we live lives full of anxiety and worry. We, we joke about it. I'm just an anxious person. Or I'm, you know, I'm a, in Louisiana we'd say I'm a worry wart. I don't know if you guys say that here. Yeah. Maybe you deal with anxiety and constantly worry. And it seems to be in our culture, a normal part of our world. The question is, should it be, according to his word? Is there, should we live in anxiety? Is there an antidote to our worry? Should we live in a state of fear? And if not, how do we deal with it? 
when fear takes over. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 14. It says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Everybody say, I'm a child of God. Good. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Now there's an implication in that verse. It does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. The implication would be that you used to live in fear, but you don't have to live in it now. We do not have to live in fear for our safety. We do not have to live in fear for our marriage. We do not have to live in fear for our future. We do not have to live in fear of the unknown. We do not have to live in fear of pain. We do not have to live in fear of regret. We do not have to live in fear of sickness. We do not have to live in fear of death. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Today I'm going to challenge your assumptions. Because we assume a lot of things because of what we've always been taught. We've always been taught, well, don't get your hopes up. Right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The Bible says get your hopes up. We've always assumed... Hey, fear is not a bad thing. Fear is a good thing. But I want to challenge your assumptions in life with what his word says. And then you'll have the choice today either to reject what his word says and walk out and continue living in fear. Or take the practical steps that we talk about today from his word and choose to not live in fear anymore. And choose to reject it anytime it comes in your mind. The choice is yours. All right. Romans chapter 8, verse, we're going to start in verse 14 again. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we cry, Abba, Father. My wife says when she prays a lot of times, she'll say, Daddy God. It's this close, personal, amazing relationship. By him we cry, Abba Father. We cry, Daddy God. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, just a little bit of review. We are heirs of, Christ, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. An heir of what? Right? We're an heir of his kingdom. Remember, Luke chapter 12, verse 32. It says, the Father has, has been pleased to give you the kingdom. If you're a son or a daughter of the Most High King, then the Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. We're to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added. 
We don't seek all of these things. And a lot of times that's where fear comes from because we seek all of these things and then we don't get it and we're in control. And when we feel out of control, we're fearing the worst thing that might happen. So what is his kingdom that we get? Remember, Romans chapter 14, verse 17 says his kingdom is not a, uh, a kingdom of, of you know, meat and drink, but it's a kingdom of righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Of peace and joy. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Now, what is righteousness? Once again, righteousness, and I, I almost remind you of this every single Sunday. And Peter writes, that he, he's going to continue to, as he's writing to the, to the church, he says, you know what, I'm not ashamed to continue reminding you of these things. And I will continue until the day approaches, all the more. Why? Because you need to understand, I need to understand, we need to constantly be reminded of the kingdom that we have received now because sometimes we tend to forget. It's a kingdom of righteousness, of peace and joy. Peace and joy flow out of righteousness. And righteousness is right standing with God. Because of what Jesus has done for you, Jesus has credited his righteousness to your account. You believe in Jesus. Jesus paid the price. Now you look to him. And when God sees you, he sees you as 100% in right standing with God. Not based on what you have done or haven't done, but based on Jesus and your belief in him. Now, because of that, because you're in right standing with God, then no matter what you're going through, you can see your heavenly father, your daddy God, standing right next to you, walking with you in the midst of the trial, walking with you in the midst of the darkness, walking with you no matter what you are going through. And because you see him next to you, you can have peace and joy. You can have peace when everyone else says you should be anxious. You can have peace when everyone else says you should be worrying. You can have peace and joy. And it comes from understanding you're standing with him and understanding that he's standing right next to you. We don't have to be afraid. We can reject fear and have peace in the presence of our enemies. Jesus said, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, expecting something in return. Wishy-washy, flaky. You can never take their word as their word. You can't just do a handshake. You have to have a written agreement. And still you can't trust people. Some people. Not knowing who to trust. No. Jesus says, I am that I am. I am the word of life. I knew you before the foundation of the world. I have called you by name. Peace I give to you. My peace is what Jesus says. My peace, God's peace I give to you. So don't let your heart be troubled. Meaning, don't let stress, don't let anxiety, don't let fear, don't let worry plague your heart. Do not let your heart be troubled. Why? Because Jesus has given us his peace. Don't let your heart, it goes on, don't let your heart be afraid. Do not let your heart be in fear, regardless of what you're going through, because Jesus has given you his peace. So we don't have to have anxiety and worry. We don't have to let our heart be afraid. Why? Because he's with us in the middle of our mess. 
He says, I'm with you when it seems that your enemies are about to overtake you. As a matter of fact, I have prepared a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Let's go to Psalms 23. 23rd Psalm. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I, sh- I shall not want. Another version says, I lack nothing. Now wait a second, I, all I see, there's a, there's a lot of people, and, and they're, they're saying, well, hold on, all I see is lack. I like this, I like that, I like this, I like that, I lack this. Well, you're focused on what you don't have instead of focusing on what you do. And when you focus on the fact that he's standing right near you, you realize that the the God of the universe is on your side and with you. You can trust him for what you do and what you don't have. And in your heart, you can say, I lack nothing because you're not seeking after all of those things. You're seeking his kingdom anyway. And you can trust that his will is best for you. Let's get there. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Vacation is good, but vacation doesn't refresh your soul. Jesus does. Your heavenly Father refreshes your soul. The Holy Spirit refreshes your soul. Spending time in His presence refreshes your soul. Realizing that He's right there with you refreshes your soul. He guides me along right paths, or he leads me in the way of righteousness, for, for whose namesake? For whose namesake? And there's where a lot of anxiety and worry come from. It's because our focus is our namesake. I need this. I want this. I, I, I. But if I don't get this, I won't. But if I, I should have this promotion. I should have... It's not about you. You're not the center of the universe, so don't live like you are anymore. It's not healthy. Jesus is the center of the universe. We live for his namesake. We are created not to live for ourselves. We're created to live for him, and it's better that way. It's good for you. Even though... I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, one version says, and I love that version. I grew up knowing that version. This says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, even though circumstances look like it's coming against me, it says, I will, everybody say, I will, fear no evil. One more time. I will fear no evil. I'm making a choice. I'm making a mark in the sand. I refuse from now on to fear no evil because why? For you are with me. Fear is faith in the wrong God. Fear is belief that something that hasn't happened yet that is bad for you is going to happen. Fear is faith in circumstance, in a terrible circumstance for you. When God says all things work together for good for those that love you and are called according to his purpose. 
All things. But, but, but wait, 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 hold on, hold on. What if, pastor, what if she dies? Come on. But what if I get sick? But, but what, what if I die? What if I, what if I lose my job? But what if I don't have money to pay my rent? All things, everything works together for good. Change your what ifs to even ifs. Even if I lose my job, even if she dies, even if I lose my spouse, even if I'm going to continue following you because I know you're right beside me and I can trust you that you're good. And this is going to, even the worst thing possible is going to work out for my good because I trust you regardless of the situation. When you live life like that, you don't have to fear anymore. I'm losing my voice. You can have peace. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And here's the key, guys. This is the key. You know what allows you to have peace in the presence of your enemies? You know what allows you to have peace despite the circumstance? When you're walking through the darkest moments of your life, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm reminded of Phil Landry. Three months from dying, tumors metastasizing all over his body. He understood this. That was five years ago. There he is. He's sitting right here. The key, the answer to living a life with no fear is in the midst of whatever you're going through, whenever, you're, whenever everyone else says that you should fear and ever, whenever everyone else says that you should be anxious and whenever everyone else says that you should live in worry or you should be worried about this or are concerned is an easier version. I, I, I get it. But yet the word says... He prepares a table before me in the midst of those circumstances. And what he's doing is he's wanting me to look and see the table that he's prepared before me despite the circumstances and choose to sit at the table and commune with him in the midst of the circumstances. That's the answer. That's the key. It's communing with your heavenly father despite what's going on around you. The example of that not happening is Peter. He's walking on the water, and, and he's, he's, at first he's focusing on Christ, and he's walking above it, but then he gets distracted by what's going on, and fear and anxiety and worry begins to hit, and he begins to sink because he stopped communing with his father despite the circumstances. It was Jesus. It was Jesus. Anyway, I misspoke. So despite what you're going through, the answer is to commune with him. He has prepared a table before you in the midst of all that. So the question is, are we going to try our best to defend ourselves with our focus on all that 
and sink like Peter in the midst of the storm, or are we going to focus on him and commune with him, sit at the table and eat with our daddy God despite what's going on around us? Because one results in fear, worry, and anxiety. The other results in rest and peace despite what's going on. I think that there are a lot of us who have been so focused on the problem that we have allowed fear to paralyze us. And the Father is asking us to sit and commune with him despite of that. Why? Because when we're communing with him, what we're doing is we're getting into his word, we're getting into his presence, we're shifting our focus, right? So we're submitting to him all of our fears, all of our anxiety, all of our worry, right? So in doing that, we're remembering his promises for us. And in spending time communing with him despite our circumstances that everyone else says should be causing fear, this is what is happening. James chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It says he will flee from you. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Someone only flees from someone that they're scared of. Isn't that amazing? Someone only flees from someone that they're scared of. So why would the devil, would the enemy, would the enemies that are attacking you be scared of you in that moment? Because in that moment, what you're doing is you're reorienting your focus to your creator, understanding who he is and understanding who you are despite the circumstance. And by doing that, you are resisting the enemy because you're putting your focus on what he says about you and you're realizing the authority that he's given you because he is in you. That's what the devil don't want you to realize. That's what the enemy doesn't want you to realize. He doesn't want, he wants to constantly make you forget who you are and think that you're nothing but a filthy, rotten sinner and hurt and, and can't do anything about it. No, no, no. You are a mighty man or woman of God who's filled with his promises and filled with his presence. And when you understand and you walk in who he says that you are, the enemy is scared of you. Maybe not in my squeaky voice, but he's scared of you. Because he's scared of the Jesus in you. In 1 John 4, 17, in this world we're like him. So we are to commune with him despite what's going on. So, i got to wrap this thing up. So what happens when we fear? Because this is like a lot of oorah and awesomeness. Like, hey, let's, but we need some practical, like, what do we do now? So, so how, do we, how do we put this into practice? How do we walk this thing out day in and day out? Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. I heard somebody say it. It says, for the Spirit of God, or the Spirit God gave us, does not make us timid. Or another version says, the Spirit, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a, of a sound mind. So he has not given us a spirit of fear. So the spirit of fear is not from God. See, God doesn't fear 
There's no fear in love, and God is love. And we're to be imitators of God. Therefore, we are not to imitate fear. We're to imitate love. Right? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and a sound mind. Now, that word sound mind is also translated as sound mind, self-control, self-discipline. It almost has this connotation, this sense of a militant discipline to remain focused, right? What are we focused on? He's given us a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. So it's like we're disciplining ourselves to remain focused on the sound of Christ. I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. I want to read that. I want you to see it. It says, we demolish arguments in every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. That's what I'm doing today. I'm demolishing a lot of people's assumptions that it's okay to worry, be in anxiety, and live in fear. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what happens then is when fear comes into our mind, when fear attacks us, we don't accept it as our fear, as my fear. No, we take captive that thought and we take it, make it obedient to Christ, to what he says about us in the middle of the circumstance. We are disciplined, self-controlled to have a sound mind with his power and love that he has given us. Let me show you what that's like in my daily life. Um, I'm going to be a little bit vulnerable with you. You might laugh at this. Uh, in 2007, there was a movie that came out called Mr. Brooks. Anybody seen it? No. Yeah. Okay. It was a psychological thriller, serial killer type of movie. Okay. Uh, my wife and I watched it about 2008, 2009. So about 10 years ago. When we watched it, now you got to be careful what you put into your eyes, ears, what you taste, what you smell, what you touch. You've got to be careful because that influences your thoughts, right? Advertisers know that. That's why they pay millions of dollars to get stuff in front of your eyes. Because they know that if they influence your thoughts enough and if you think about something enough, it will change how you feel. And then American culture is duped because you think, if I feel this way, it's who I am. No, you just thought about something enough because it was put in front of your eyes enough. And so you think it's who you are, and the next thing you know, it affects your heart, and you begin to speak that way, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what happened here is we watched this movie, and it's about the serial killer, you know, uh, unlocking people's doors and, uh, um, at night, in the middle of the night, and coming in and, and killing the people. And it's terrible. And I let this into my eyes, right? Uh, just didn't think anything of it. Next thing you know... I didn't realize it, but after I watched that movie, every bump in the night, I thought it was, I had this irrational fear of the serial killer coming to get me. You know? Here I am, a grown man. I hear a bump in the night. I told you you'd laugh at me. But I had a bump in the night, and next thing you know, I'm waking up, getting my pistol, walking around the house. Oh, what's going on? I am, I'm a country boy. I'm from Louisiana, right? Don't bump in my house at the night. I'm just saying. No. <laughs> <laughs> but so so this fear is affecting my rest my sleep right it just is i try I fight it i'm like there's nothing there but still i gotta i gotta get up and go you know i hear this thing and, and this 
because of what I allowed into my mind. And now this lie, I believe that there's something out to get me. And it can affect me even more. And it affected me for about a good six, seven years. So until about four years ago. Yeah. Like, you know, it, it was not every night, but a lot of nights. You know, I'd get up a couple times a night because of this fear. And I just knew this was not from Jesus. It's not from God. It's not okay. And, man, I have some prayer warriors in my corner. You know, I have this amazing 78-year-old lady back in Winsboro, Louisiana, who prays for this church. She prays for me. You know, the Bible is very clear. It says, confess your faults one to another, pray for each other so you may be healed. And I think either she, she, like God told her and she told me this, or I confessed it to her. I'm not, I don't remember which one, but both have happened. <laughs> and uh, anyway, she gave me a verse, Psalms chapter 4, verse 8. She said, hey, this is a promise for, of God for you. And I'm going to tell you, it's a promise of God for you too. What is Psalms chapter 4, verse 8? It says this. And she prayed for me, by the way, and I was healed. I was healed of the fear. So it was no longer my fear. I no longer accepted it as me. I realized that I'm not to walk in fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear, right? And when she prayed for me, I was healed. But that doesn't mean the fear didn't try to attack me again. That doesn't mean the fear didn't try to come back. That doesn't mean I didn't feel fear the next night after she prayed for me. But she gave me this verse. Psalms 4, verse 8. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. That's the exact opposite of the fear that I was having, right? Now, what was my problem? It says, in peace, I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. My fear was because I thought I was in control of my safety. And when I felt out of control, I was afraid. I was fearing a circumstance that had not yet happened, a potential bad circumstance to mine or my family's health, the definition of fear, worry, anxiety. But what are we to do? We are to trust him with our safety. We are to trust him with our life. So when I, when I give him control instead of me control and I trust that he's good and he has good things for me, I can let that fear go and I can let that anxiety go and I can rest because I'm in right standing with him and he's standing right near me. And I can have peace. Hebrews 4.11 says, make every effort to enter into that rest. It's a rest he's already given. Anyway. So what did I do? Next, next time I'm laying in the bed and I hear this bump in the night and I have this fear. Turn to this word. I read it. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. I'm communing with my Savior. In peace, I will lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Father, thank you that you make me dwell in safety. It's not up to me anymore. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to lay here and let this fear subside because my focus now is on you. And you know what? The fear left. Then I was able to rest. It doesn't mean it didn't come back. Two weeks later, tries to get me when I'm weak. Go back, commune with the Lord in the middle of it. In peace, I will lie. I have to know his word. I have to know what he says. I have to know what his, his promises are and commune with him. Because if I don't, guess what? The Bible says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Get in the word. Just hearing it from me on Sunday morning is not enough. Know what he says about you. 
Understand his goodness. Don't go from your assumptions. And so I overcame that fear. And he's constantly reminding me of his promises. Thanks for listening to The Real Church Podcast. If you have questions, comments, or would like to get to know us, be sure to check us out on social media by searching Real Church Clearwater or visit us online at www.realchurch.us. If you'd like to play a part in what we're doing, you can do so right where you are. Your prayers are powerful and effective. You can also be a part through giving. Go to realchurch.us and click the Give button. Whether you're praying, giving, or serving with Real Church, you are playing a part in every life being changed. Thank you. Until our next podcast, be blessed. We'll see you next time.